Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Hey yo, the internet. Hey yo, people of Earth. This is the Smart Foundation Podcast. It's episode, was it 14? Sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. We're a little bit, we're a little bit low energy today. Uh, you know, this has been a long, terrible week for wrestling, and uh, we're going to take a couple of, couple of minutes of our time, and we're going to talk about the the passing of the great Scott Hall. My name's Curtis Spears. With me today is the Scott Hall to my big daddy cool, Shane Campbell. Shane, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing all right. Doing yeah. all right. It's, it's good, man. It's good to hear. I know you've been particularly affected this week uh, between, you know, Biggie getting hurt, getting taken out, uh, Scott Hall's passing, and uh, Butch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are all things that have upset you this week. All very uh, sad. I mean, oh, very sad. I'm I'm glad that you're uh, I'm glad that you're here with me today, though, so we can properly eulogize the bad guy, uh, Scott Hall, and um, maybe you know we'll we'll see if we can ha- may, still make some smiles out of out of some dark times here. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go ahead and tell people this isn't going to be your normal episode of Smart Foundation. Uh, we're going to try something different with our retro review. We're not really going to like do the normal stuff that we do every episode. We're not going to come up with an ep- uh, a move of the week or, or a match of the week or a moment of the week. This whole thing is going to be all about Scott, you know, and, and what his characters have meant to us. So let's get right into it. The first thing people think about when they think about Scott Hall, the the words I see over and over and over again are effortlessly cool. That's, that's the two words that everyone says. Yep. And, are there are there better words that describe Scott Hall, or is that it, man? I mean, I think that sums it up. I mean, if if you had to uh, narrow it down to something, I, I'd say that that'd be right up there. Yeah, I think when when did you first see Scott Hall? Was it was it Razor Ramon, or was it uh, before that? The I saw him as the Diamond Stud a couple of times. Uh, like I was a WCW kid, right? So, nineteen ninety one, he and he and DDP is a, uh, he's DDP's enforcer, the Diamond Stud. And um, it's funny because I think he I think he tagged with Vinny Vegas a couple of times uh, before they both made the jump over to WWF. Mm-hmm. Vinny Vegas, of course, became Diesel, and uh, you know Diamond Stud, of course, became Razor Ramon. Those opening vignettes, those first vignettes of Razor Ramon, where he's just full on Tony Montana, you know, knocking over people into the fountain. The, my favorite was the one where he's sitting at the table and he's having his dinner and he's like, you expect me to pay for this food and like knocks the entire meal off the table. Yeah. Like how fucking awesome was that? Yeah. And, and word of advice, don't try that at Chuck E. Cheese. 
speaking they, from experience. Yeah, they will drag you into the ball pit and have a fucking boot party on you. Yeah. That, the Yeah, effortlessly cool is the best way to put it. And I think that that's where we can first track the legacy that he's left on modern wrestling. Because we mm-hmm. look at that, and that is where the first, like, really cool bad guy was. And everybody wants to be the cool heel now. And I wonder if maybe it came from those first, like, few Razor Ramon moments, you know? Like I said, those opening videos were always, they were so funny. They were so cool. They, yeah. Yeah. The dude looked like a million bucks. He sounded like a million bucks. He's huge. He's handsome. Like, how could you not want to be Razor Ramon? I mean, for what it's worth, as a kid, I I knew about Razor Ramon before I knew about Tony Montana. Me too. So it might have it might have been like once I finally seen Scarface, I would have been like, who's who's this Razor Ramon ripoff? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I I I heard "Say Goodnight" to the bad guy hundreds of times before I ever even saw Scarface. So right. That was it, man. Like Razor was the coolest. And you know, you can you can go from there. The face turn on the early days of Raw with one, two, three kid, uh, Sean Waltman. That do do you remember watching that live? Did you watch that uh episode of Raw where the one, two, three kid, the lightning kid at that point, actually, you know, pimple faced and and scraggly mullet and everything ended up beating the great Razor Ramon on an episode of Monday Night Raw. Did you watch that live? Yeah, and I was a little bit confused at that point. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Is he allowed to do that? Yeah. Because, um, yeah, that was during that time where they were just, like, thinking of random names for the, for the kid each week. Yeah. It's like Lightning Kid, Cannonball Kid. Yeah, that was great. Sean Waltman, like, bless him. And we're going we're gonna to talk about Waltman a lot in the retro review this week, I think. But... Mm-hmm. Man, he was such a dork. <laughs> Those first, like you, you think of how cool Razor Ramon looked with his hairy chest, you know, unwaxed and everything. And he's coming out, and he's got that long hair and the tan, you know, and he's like punking the people at ringside and stuff like that. And out comes one, two, three kid, and he looks like somebody's cousin, you know. <laughs> Remember, I I don't know if it was I don't know if it was a wrestle. I think it was a WrestleMania. I could be wrong. But remember when Razor and, and Kid came out, and it was a high-profile match because Kid had wore like his, uh, what I assumed to be his like his karate gi type robe, <laughs> but it was like it was like silk, and it didn't really remind me of like martial arts at all. It just reminded me of like someone's mom's robe that she like <laughs> wears in the morning to make your toast, to go take out the trash. Oh no! So I remember watching. I was like, "Why is one, two, three kid wearing someone else's mom's?" I mean, uh, I mean, that's probably it might why. have could have. Yeah, it could have actually been someone he else's. Might mom. have could but, have taken somebody's mom's robe for real, though. Yeah, he, he shoot took that from somebody. He's shoot somebody's stepdad right now. So yeah, that looking back, yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a little too, a little too silky, a little too silky. <laughs> you did that in the men's department. Yeah, you know where you got that shirt. You know where you got that shirt. <laughs> Waltman, you know, for for as much of a dork as he was, and might still be, question mark, Waltman, if you're listening, and I know you are, I fucking love you, dude, you're awesome, 
But um, I don't think he gets enough uh, props as far he as he doesn't. He really Clint. doesn't. Like if if I had to if I had to rank just like in ring ability, he might I don't be know top. I, he he I might be either say, one or one A for the click. I was gonna say one or one A. Yep. I mean, like even like Michaels, I think at one point said that Waltman was the best worker in the NWO. So yeah, and technically Michaels was part of the NWO. So right. I don't so know, is Bret Hart. So uh, well, well, ooh, ooh. Uh, we won't go there. Uh, no. Like Waltman, yeah, he's definitely doesn't get as much love as he deserves uh, for for where he was, and I think it might just be because. He was wrestling at a time. When, I mean, he was smaller than Brett and Sean, mm-hmm. and even Brett and Sean were considered way undersized for the time when they were wrestling. So, yeah, if you yeah. put Waltman up against like Waltman in '94 up against Adam Cole in 2022, that's a money match. Waltman's a bad dude. Yep, I'd I'd take Waltman any day over you know over people like you know what. Waltman in '94, I bet you would be better than I'm. I'll 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 get a little bit crazy out here. I'd take Waltman in 1994 over Phoenix in 2022. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I I don't I don't know. I can't I I I can't show my math on that. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just trying to throw throw names out there. But like, I think the Waltman, yeah, probably the best worker uh, as far as the click goes even with Shawn Michaels. So especially back then, you know, when he was basically a teenager. You yeah. Know, yeah. They called him kids for be, a fucking reason. Yeah, to, to be that good at, at that at that point. Yeah. He doesn't get nearly nearly the much as much credit as he should. And I think that it really shows how much talent that he had that, you know, I mean the click notoriously bad at trying to get themselves over. So for them to take someone like him under their wing and they must have really seen something special in him, you know, I mean, like yeah. uh, another another thing that Hall that people talk about with Hall is his his mind for the business, you know, like mm-hmm. he came up with a lot of the a lot of the NWO, those first NWO vignettes and things like that, that really launched them into the into the stratosphere. And he came up with the crow sting. So like he came up with the, well, he was one of the brain trusts behind the NWO and he came up with the, the main antagonist to the NWO. Right. I guess he's, I guess he's the protagonist for the NWO really. Cause the NWO were the bad guys, mm-hmm. but that shows like the mind that he had. And I think that recognizing, you know, potential in people like Waltman, even though like the, all those guys just wanted to get themselves over, him recognizing something in Waltman to the level where he had to bring that kid into the fold is that's that shows that shows that he was thinking, man. So mm-hmm. how do you feel about the the legacy of Scott Hall's character and what and, and what that means as far as like the click? How do you how do you I mean, you're a big Razor Ramon fan. But you're notoriously down on people like Michaels and Diesel. How do you kind of, in your brain, how do you deal with that? So I think for me, it's from an in-ring standpoint, you know, obviously, I I respect the abilities of, you know, Shawn Michaels and Diesel. He had a sweet glove. 
Um, <laughs> then I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this so that it, you say I respect the the abilities of Shawn Michaels and Diesel, and I'm clipping it there. So <laughs> everything you say, everything you say after that's just I mean keep going. I'm just gonna cut it. I mean yeah, let's let's just cut it. <laughs> like like it's a quad muscle, we'll just oh, cut it. Get out of um, here. <laughs> oh no no, but. Uh, and, and see that that's the thing. I, I am critical on, on Diesel and, and Sean and stuff, but I also enjoyed all of that as a kid. It's just yeah. when when I ha- when I have to choose, you know, between like a Brett or a Sean or stuff like like I'm always going to be one sided. Yeah. In regards to that, but um, the click as a whole, like I still enjoyed watching ninety percent of their stuff. And I've also said I wasn't a big fan of. Um, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the in-ring performers in WCW, but looking back, th- that wasn't their role to put on amazing matches. No, like I, I don't think it's ever been Kevin Nash's like role to put on an amazing match. But that's not something you can say for Scott Hall because there were plenty of times where Scott Hall put on like match of the night contenders and things like that. Uh, I mean, like the tag match we're going to talk about today. That's that might be like. <laughs> It's definitely up there for as far as like American match of the year contenders for 1994. So, yeah, and that's and yeah, I mean, like, and, and that's the thing though that enthusiasm that they you know have in that match wasn't always there when it wasn't all of them involved. No, that's true, and I think so. That's something we can we can definitely discuss. I've I've got a note on discussing that when we get to the actual match. Right. When you heard that Scott Hall was was about to pass or that he he had passed what feelings went through your mind like what what was what what were you thinking about so sadly like especially with like pro wrestlers nowadays you're almost not surprised especially you know guys from that from that era um still doesn't mean that it still wasn't terribly sad but someone like i don't know someone like hall it's not that you ever expect it but you kind you kind of knew that this day would come in one shape or form, you know, yeah, sooner rather than later. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, a lot of people kind of feared that this would would have been, uh, you know, after that uh, special that they did on ESPN for Hall was it like ten years ago now. Yeah. Um, so basically, pre DDP Hall, a lot of people kind of figured that that w- we were going to be having this discussion sooner yeah yeah and so i'm glad that we didn't but it still didn't take away from the fact that it's incredibly sad he he lived he lived a life inside and outside the ring so that's true that's real true i mean like from the the darkest depths to the highest highs that dude had a lot of experiences one thing a lot of people don't know and i think that you know people have hinted before or not hinted but people have assumed that this might be the the reason for all of his drug addiction and things like that. A lot of people don't know that he like Scott Hall killed a fella. Yep. Uh, I mean, he was, he was a bouncer in a, uh, uh, what was it? A bar in Florida. Some guy pulled mm-hmm. a gun on him. Scott Hall got the gun away and it went off and killed a fella. And like, that's some dark shit, man. Yeah. That's some real dark shit. And I think like, I think it was Kevin Nash that said that that might be why, you know, he he had so many problems with drugs and alcohol. He felt a lot of guilt over that. Yeah, and it could be. I mean, in 
from what you know from what I've read and watched on documentaries, you know, wrestling back in the you know eighties and nineties, it seemed like that was a recreation. Like it's it's it seems like you know nowadays everyone's you know doing gaming and cosplay, which is great, but back then there wasn't those outlets. No, it was it was lifting weights and and drugs and alcohol. It seems like yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. And like that's why that's why it sucks when you see someone like Undertaker who's like, Oh, back in my day the men were men and we didn't play the video games and sh-. it's like, yeah, but the the men were men in your day and most of those dudes are dead now or on their way. Yeah. Like you can't you can't possibly think that's a good thing. No, so. I, I agree. Like I when when he said that I that that was a bad take. That was a that's, bad take on the taker. That's cold yeah. take. Yeah. Cold taker. It sucks that he's gone, but like you said, it was ten years ago or so that people think that he, you know, people were like, "Oh, he's he's gone. He's gonna die soon." And it seems like he got to come back and make everything right. You know, mm-hmm. he was, by all accounts, he was in a better place now than he had been in a decade, you know, or more even since probably two thousand. He was, you know talking to his family again he was mentally better healthy you know uh, he was he was living that second that second chance that second opportunity that not everybody gets and uh, it kind of sucks that he he was he got it because he was a famous person but in the end like he got it and that's what matters you know not everybody gets it maybe he was a special case doesn't stop the fact that he turned his life around and that's a beautiful story and I mean that's the thing, like because he was so talented, like he he could have he could have been the next Jerry Lawler, in in the sense of just kind of transitioning over to like a full time commentator, and he would have been fantastic at it. He could have been a commentator. He could have been a, a manager for sure. Like anybody they put him with would have succeeded right away, hundred percent. I, I I can't tell you how excited I was when uh, a couple of years ago when they had him as kind of like a a guest coach at NXT, just kind of going over people's like in ring personas and all that. I was like, mm-hmm. that that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Like the that goes again to the the mind for the business that the dude actually had. You know, and and one of the one of the coolest things about Scott Hall is like the little things that you don't find out about until you really dig into them. Like, did you know that the the razor's edge is like the most protected finisher in WWE history. Hmm. Less people have kicked out of, out of the razor's edge than anyone else in the business, like than any other finishing move in WWE history. Wow. The most protected finishing move of all time. And like that goes to show if he wasn't winning the match, he didn't hit his finisher. Like that's, that's wrestling one-on-one. Remember, remember like leading up to, uh, him and Sean's uh, ladder match was it before or after. Yeah, it was. It was before when Sean and uh, One Two Three Kid were going at it, and I don't know if it, was, it wasn't on. Might have just. I remember seeing on like a old Coliseum home video or something. Like Sean went on like a razor's edge spree. Do you ever remember seeing that? Like to send a message to Razor, like he. Oh, he was he, putting he razor's kid, edges on people. He, well, yeah, he 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 put One Two Three Kid. He. He must have given him like five razor's edges during the match, and then Razor came out to kind of stop him, and then like 
Diesel interfered and like, and then Sean gave Razor to Razor to Razor's edges on the uh, entrance. Two razors, two razors edge. Yes, <laughs> plural. Multiple razors edge. It's like octopi. Octopi. <laughs> Multiple razor octopies on the uh, entrance there, which was kind of dangerous if you think about it back then. I think there's no padding or anything. There's no padding or anything. I think the the razor's edge itself is not only is it one of the protected, the most protected finishers of all time, it's also a lot safer. You know, because of the way he falls down with you, he's able to like gently guide you down. He's able to control the speed you fall at and things like that. Who was it recently that did a did like a stand like a razor's edge where they didn't. They didn't fall with them. They were they were just standing and just razored edge their uh, opponent and like injured the shit out of them because they weren't able to control the velocity that their opponent fell at. And uh, oh god, mm. it, was, it was like two weeks ago. I don't remember where it was. Anyway, might it have been NXT? Could have been. So. I think yeah. Somebody did like a, a razor's edge where they didn't they didn't fall with it. I'm asking. I don't I don't know. I'm, I I can't tell. I believe it was somebody on NXT did a razor's edge, did it wrong, and like their opponent landed directly on the back of their head and neck, like in a dangerous way. Luckily, nobody got hurt. But when you compare that to an actual razor's edge, you see the way that Scott will fall with you and guide you down to the uh, to the mat in the safest way possible and at a speed which will not hurt anybody. You know, you're just taking which a I'm, flat back bump. Yeah, and which I'm sure takes, like, a lot of strength to be able to control not only yourself, but someone else's 200 pounds. Yeah, descent. You know, yeah. It's a lot of, that's a lot of velocity coming down. Even from, like, eight feet in the air, 200 pounds from eight feet in the air is going to come down really fast. So, What, what about uh, Hernandez's border toss? That was some wild Hell, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Good Lord. I wouldn't have taken it. No. <laughs> no, thank you. That's I'm going to sit down and watch the match, but I'm not taking that. Mm-mm. Yeah, that was... Uh, I mean, do you want to describe their move for people who haven't seen it before? Oh, they know. <laughs> if they so don't, gets, they, they will. Yeah, he, he's, uh, Hernandez was... What is it, like 6'5 or something like that? 6'8 maybe. Yeah, gets you up like in... Six, Eight, yeah. Yeah, gets you up in the razor's edge position and then just yeets, just yeets you as far as he can <laughs> to where you're just, you're free falling. Like you're somewhere, you're somewhere between heaven and earth and, you know, Tom Petty's playing, you know, you, there's, there's flowers. You see the, the birds are in slow motion and then you crash with the fury of a thousand waves onto the mat and you die. Yeah. I mean, if anyone wants to look up just a cringe worthy one, Look up the one he did on Gail Kim. Oh, oh no. Gail Kim's like 110 pounds soaking wet, dude, with a yeah. brick in each hand. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I bet he threw her like 400 feet. Did he throw her like a Patrick Mahomes fucking touchdown, like 60 yards? I, I remember I had watched one of those random times I would watch TNA Live, and I watched that, and I was eating a bowl of cereal, and I remember specifically dropping the bowl <laughs> when I when I seen Gil Kim getting launched. Just like, fold her in half like laundry. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Oof. Somebody's gonna have to like just stand her up. She folds like an accordion. Just like a cartoon. Jesus. 
Yeah. That's monstrous. So, yeah, there, I mean, that goes to show how good that Scott was at protecting his his opponents, protecting himself. I mean, he he I don't remember him really being hurt for long periods of time, but that might have been just the the way that people were back then. Like you they didn't diagnose concussions. Um, if you were hurt, you worked hurt, that sort of thing. So I guess we can't really go by that. I remember a couple of times in 95 where he wasn't on Raw for long stretches, but I think that's because they filmed Raw like four weeks at a time in one Well, that and they, they did a lot of house shows back there, but like the – so there was a, there was an old sh- shoot interview that I seen of his when they were talking about like when he decided to leave WWF. And like his contract was – that was offered to him at WWF was like ten matches, like fifteen hundred dollars a match, which is, if you think about it, that's not a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's not money good money or, or, or matches. Yeah, I mean fifteen hundred dollars a match is pretty good, but if you're only doing like ten, that's not a lot of money. But they WWF had a just a wafer thin roster back then. Like they were cutting down. That was ninety five. They were cutting down. All of their uh, their live shows, they had stopped doing house shows for the most part back then because they used to do a uh, a show, B show, and C show house shows. That's yep. how you get those house shows that had like the Bushwhackers versus the Beverly Brothers as their main event, you know, <laughs> in like Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And uh, they had to stop doing those because they weren't drawing any, and they they yep. just the 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 roster was so thin that they had to like bring those people in to do jobs for the bigger stars on the A and B shows. So mm-hmm. I think that that was just cause I mean, the WWF was on its ass at that point. Yeah, absolutely on its ass. So they, they probably just didn't have the money to give him unfortunately. And I think a lot of that was also that he saw that he kind of had a ceiling in WWE. Like back then, if like, it's not like, it's not like today where you can kind of, if the, you really get the fans behind you, you can make something happen. You know, Daniel Bryan did it. Uh, Zack Ryder did it to the U.S. title once. Um, I mean, the fans can pick a wrestler and get behind them and make the WWF move sometimes. Back then, it wasn't like that. Back then, yeah, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah, because, I mean, what, 75% of the matches was a star against an enhancement talent. And then, like, the bigger shows, it would, you know, star versus star. But it's like, that's how how the stars were built back then. Yeah. They were all squash matches and then leading up to a bigger match. Yeah. And uh, I think the fact that Razor had been a a multiple-time IC champion, Intercontinental champion, you know, a lot of people, when they were IC champions, that was the next step was, like, everyone says WWE title after that. That's the That's the... Let's see how you work with this prize on your way to becoming the the next big thing. And uh, see, I, just I wasn't used how to, it was for him. I used to think that too, but now that I, I mean, looking back, maybe that wasn't the the case as much as we like to remember it, though. Yeah. Because if I mean, yeah, there was there was you know the 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 Brits and and the Savages and the Sean and the Diesel, but. Then there was also the Dean Tito Douglas's Santana and Dean Douglas <laughs> and Marty Jannetty and mm-hmm. okay. I don't know. Real real quick, let me interject in here. That 
it, the Intercontinental belt has not looked good. The new Intercontinental belt has not looked good on anybody until it got on Ricochet, and it looks fantastic on Ricochet. Good for him. Yep. Good looking belt on a, on a, on a, on on Ricochet for sure. Hunt ten out of ten. I, anyway, I, I thought I thought Apollo made it look kind of cool. I can see that, and like Shinsuke Nakamura, like where it had the uh, like ninja stars on the side plates, that's pretty cool too. Ricochet makes that belt though, hundred percent. Yep, I'll give you that. Yeah, he sees a ceiling. He sees his his downsides are not they're not as high as he wants them to be. He jumps to greener pastures, or so he thinks. He convinces Nash to jump with him, and you know we're gonna say NWO. We're gonna talk about the NWO, and people say a lot of times like, "Oh, Scott Hall." You know, he never became a world champion or anything like that. Like when we say world champion, what people mean is the biggest thing in the industry. Like, you know, we'd say the world champion is the biggest thing in the industry. You know, like Scott Hall was at one point the biggest thing in the industry because the biggest thing in the industry was Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. There was a time in 1996. It was it was pre-rock. It was pre-Austin. You know, it was post Hulkamania and it hit was right in that sweet spot where those three, the NWO and the early NWO with like X-Pac and things like that, that was the biggest thing in the industry. At that point, you know, it didn't matter who the world champion was, even though it was Hogan. He it didn't matter. People were paying to see the NWO. They weren't paying to see the world champion. So, like, maybe he was never the biggest thing in in as far as championships go, but there was a point where he was the biggest thing in the entire wrestling world. Right. So that's some sort of consolation. Yeah. And, and I, and I believe um, he had said in a couple of interviews that like the championships weren't really as important to him as they may have been to like the fans, like everyone wanted them to, you know, win the world title. And like, I think it was, it was more about the, the, the money for him. You know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, and that's fair, he, you know. He didn't have a lot of he didn't have a lot of options, uh, you know, as a as a, like a, a young guy. So he was just like, you know, I'm I'm gonna be stuck here, you know, as a bouncer at a bar, or I can go on the road and become famous. Like that's what he was thinking about. It wasn't like a love of pro wrestling for him. It was all about money. He just mm-hmm. happened to be real fucking good at pro wrestling. So right, that's yep. a thing. So I can understand that. Yeah, if he did, if he didn't care that he never won the world belt. That's fine. I'm sad he never won a world belt, but I mean, like I said, still the biggest thing in wrestling for a time, so doesn't really matter. We, we the fans, we're always saying like, oh, this guy's not being treated right because he's not the world champion when he when we think he should be. And I know that's a thing that get, that you roll your eyes at all the fucking time. Yep. You know, you always say like, what's wrong with like? We'll take Cesaro, Antonio Cesaro. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli. Everyone always says, oh, he was booked like shit. He was booked like shit. And that's because we want him to be, you know, a big champion. And you're, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I would have loved to have seen Cesaro be a world champion. Your, your response to that is always what's wrong with being a tag team specialist. You know, dude was a, dude was a multiple time tag team champion. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe that's what Scott Hall thought he was, you know? I'm I'm a I'm a tag team specialist with my my best friend. We're part of the biggest storyline in the world. Who gives a shit? We're making money. So, and for this for what it's worth, he still won the TV title, still yep. won the US title. Yep. Won uh, World War Three. So that US that WCW US title is 
not only is it one of the prettiest belts I've ever seen, but it's been held by so many amazing wrestlers that like that might have to be the next one that I get. The WCW US title. I love it. It's like the people that have held that, Brett, Austin, Hall, Mr. Perfect, like David Flair. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh. Legends. Legends one and all. I mean, he he dated Stacy Keebler, so Yeah, I mean, like him and George Clooney. Who saw that coming? So Yeah. You just have to ruin all my fucking flows that I'm on, don't you? Yeah. Ah <laughs> uh, well. So you wanna see if we can make this retro review work? Yeah. All right, we're going to get into this retro review. Hold on one second. We're going to give it a shot. For our retro review this week, we're going to be trying something a little bit different for you guys. We're going to actually watch a match and kind of commentate on it and give it or give our thoughts for it. I've posted the link on our Facebook, the actual link of the, the Daily Motion website that we're going through, and... We're going to let you guys play along. Uh, you'll be able to actually start the match with us and kind of let us do a little bit of a commentary track along with it. We're not going to be calling the moves or anything like that. It's just going to be us chatting about what's going on while we watch the match. It'll be kind of like us watching a match with our friends, you, the listener. Podcast listener, we love you. And when you click on the link uh, that I've provided in our Facebook page or, you know, follow the Google of your own uh, follow the Google if you want to. The best way to do it is to just Google Razor Ramon, one, two, three, kid, Shawn Michaels, Diesel. You're looking for Action Zone 94. It should be like the, I think the second link that comes up when you Google it. It's a daily motion video of a match between one, two, three, kid, and Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels and Diesel for the uh, WWF Tag Team Championships. It's a great match. It's a 19 minute and 56 second video. And uh, it's fun as hell. This is a great match. The best way to do it is to bring up the bring up the site. It'll start playing right away, and you'll just need to pause it. So once you pause it, uh, we're all gonna click on the refresh button at the exact same time, so that it starts for all of us. Okay, I'm gonna do a one, two, three, and you, the podcast listener, are gonna click the uh, refresh button at the same time that I do. So we should all be watching the exact same match at the exact same time. And you can kind of just listen to us vamp, uh, vamp about it. All right. That's that's how it's going to go, podcast listener. Like I said, this is our first time trying this. We're going to have some fun, okay? Shane, you ready? Ready. All right. Here we go. On. Uh, so we're going to go one, two, three, push. Okay, listener? Here we go. Talking to you, listener. Let's have some fun. One, two, three, refresh. All right, so now you should be seeing the kid and Razor Ramon coming out. Can you hear it, Shane? I cannot. Okay, so it's just coming through in my headphones. It's just, uh, I guess the screen share doesn't work for, for audio, which is kind of sad. Um, okay. I'm making it large scale. Can you see it in widescreen, Shane? Or full screen? Cool. There we go. 
All right, so we're looking at Razor and the one, two, three kid, this unlikely pairing. These two are once foes, now they're now they're friends. This is the beginning of Razor's face turn versus the uh the two dudes with attitudes, man. This is this is just clicks all over the Oh. Sorry, we got Diesel and Sean are jumping the uh the kid and Razor. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this match before? Yes. Oh really? Were you were you a fan of Action Zone, which was what was it, USA Network at like Sunday mornings? I, I th- this was another match that I, I could have swore I'd either seen on just like a tape trade or just on some type of like compilation video. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I don't think this was ever even. Um, I don't think it's on the network at all. Oh, Razor's so. Edge, Razor's Edge. Oh, and match is over. Match is over. One, two. Th- oh. Goodness. And there you go. There again, see that? Protected finisher. Shawn Michaels did not kick out of that move. Yeah. So, um, And he also doesn't give up championships either during this era. So. <laughs> no, he sure doesn't. So, yeah, this this is a hard to find. It's a, it's a bit of a hidden gem, man. I don't know a lot of, like, this is a match that I had only seen maybe five or six years ago for the first time. Which is funny because this might be like one of the best matches of the '90s, if like one of the best tag matches of the '90s for sure, if you don't count All Japan back then. But <laughs> this is great. I, right now we're kind of watching it. They're finally getting into the swing of things. Uh, we're starting out with Sean and the One Two Three Kid, and like this match is a hundred percent about One Two Three Kid. Like when he he gets a hot tag later on in the match, that's just insanity. He's just a little bottle rocket. Look at him. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, how do you think that this match compares to, like, a lot of tag team matches you see from from wrestlers nowadays? I don't even know if it's really a comparison, really. Um, Well, just Uh, this This match was... uh, you know, controlled chaos, but it didn't have it didn't have a bunch of crazy spots to to get to that controlled chaos. I would have I, okay, so maybe it didn't have the like over the top ridiculous spots that people do nowadays. I think that's just the evolution of the business. What it does have is like some really crazy uh, like ridiculous storytelling points that if people if people saw happening now might get called out. Like, uh, we'll see it when Shawn Michaels misses his super kick and uh, Diesel sells it like he's been shot. <laughs> and, uh, it's pretty great. Um, but something like this, silly stuff like that happens a lot of times in like um, uh, Lucha Brothers matches and things like that. And I, I, I hate to say it, but I think that like the kids that grew up watching matches like this or maybe just this match specifically are definitely like uh, I think they're the ones that are doing the wrestling nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and like, like we said before, it, the enthusiasm that all four had in this match—not to say that they packed it in in other matches. Sometimes, sometimes they did though. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the enthusiasm was was through the roof um, for this particular match. It really was. The, each one of them. So you've got. You know, Diesel, 
Shawn Michaels, one, two, three kid and razor remote. And each one of them is trying to make the other look like the shiniest copper penny. Like each one of them wants to make the other look so good. And because they're best friends, they're like selling for each other 200%. Yep. Like not, not like Shawn Michaels for Hulk Hogan overselling, but like they are making each other look great. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this makes me believe, Oh, I love that clothesline. Diesel's so great. Um, this makes me believe that you... Yeah, don't cock your head at me. This makes me believe that best friends can be great like rivals on uh, in a wrestling match. And that's why I think that you and I, seven-star classic right away, the first time that we fight for the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> They're going to do the replay of that. Oh, here comes, here comes the clothesline. Blast him. God, that was awesome. And then immediately goes for the taunt, which shows you that somebody was actually a, the player character in this, and he was Diesel at that point. Because he's going he's going for the taunt there to fill up his, his uh, finisher bar. His health, his, his health meter. <laughs> his health meter. Oh, my God. And, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, as far as WWF is concerned, Sean was obviously the most experienced tag wrestler in the match. Yeah. So you you can tell that he kind of took the lead on a lot of the double team stuff. How fast is this referee going? Have you noticed how fast this dude's counting? Yeah, every count was fast. Every count was one, two. Oh god, I didn't I didn't <laughs> like it. I don't know who this ref is. I can't tell from the the video is a little bit grainy, but it's like, what's his face. Um, like the second longest tenured dude, other than Earl Hebner. I have no idea. Mike Kyoto. Mike Kyoto? Is it Kyoto? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck's he doing counting at like 150 miles an hour for? Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Oh, sidewalk slam. Diesel's so fucking cool, man. This is this is after he started, well, right when he started to grow his hair out and get rid of the mullet. He's the only person in this match that doesn't have a mullet anymore. <laughs> this is some, some absolute mullet power in this episode. Yeah. And that might have been his downfall once he lost that <laughs> mullet. Lost the mullet and lost his uh, lost his quads. Yeah, they're connected. Do you ever think about how big Razor actually was? Mm-hmm. Like, he always looked small because he was always standing next to Nash. But, like, God, he's a big-ass dude. Yeah. Oh, I love that elbow drop. Nobody does a second rope elbow drop anymore. No, not that I can think of. I think, like, I saw a thing with Matt Hardy where he was talking about how he used to do a second rope uh, leg drop, and it started. he started messing up his spine, so he changed it to a second rope elbow drop. Both looked great because it was Matt Hardy doing them. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the leg drops off the ladders didn't help either, though. Leg drops off ladders and off tops of cages. Yeah. Yeah. Compact the spine just a little bit, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Diesel with his feathery haircut. Same haircut my mom had in 1994. Oh, the 90s. The 90s. I miss them so. Yeah, my mom went from, from the Diesel haircut all the way to the Jennifer Aniston haircut. So, Well, that was only two years later. That was, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, excellent dropkick, Sean. 
And see, this is this is Look part of why going. I love They're, the oh, new generation. I uh, era. what did you think? Did you ever see the this, uh, this the footage of Razor wrestling in pants? Did you ever see that? You cut out for like five oh, seconds. Sorry. Did you ever see the footage of Razor wrestling in uh, in like purple pants, like trousers? Yeah, his his original debut pants. That shit was cool, man. Mm-hmm. It looks so good. Yep. I wish he would have kept those. I wonder why he didn't. Well, I mean, he probably just prefers the trunks, but mm-hmm. whatever. They should release like a figure or something with those pants. I'm I'm sure they'll. Uh, uh, big Kevin Nash. I'm sure they'll they'll release all sorts of Razor Ramon like memorial figures and shit now, and yeah. I'll probably have to get every last one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, they should release a playset that has Nash and uh, Nash and Ra- I'm sorry Razor and Shawn Michaels like and a ladder and two IC Championship belts. You know what they did release a little while ago that I didn't even realize they had the. Uh... They had the the uh, Heartbreak Hotel little set. What? Oh shit! Yeah, that's bad. Hmm. I think it was like a con exclusive somewhere or something. But that yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so here we've got Hall playing the Razor, playing the the baby face in peril, and like you you would think. So you would think that one two three kid because they've they've switched this up. One two three kid is usually the baby face in peril. And Razor comes in and makes the makes the save, but they've changed it up now so that we've got Hall playing a babyface in peril, which is something you don't see him do very often. He's really good at it, mm-hmm. and I just I love this. Uh, oh, look at Ultimate Warrior shoulder block from Diesel. Like, look at how good he was moving in 1994, dude. Tell me that man doesn't look like a champion. Come well, that's on, that's the thing. That's the thing. He would. We didn't get this out of Diesel all the time. You got it when he was wrestling the click. If they'd have just let, they'd have just let him wrestle the click, everything had been fine. You try to put him up against uh, Bret Hart. And <laughs> that, was one, that was one of his better matches. Yeah, that was Bret. one of his better matches. Actually, I was trying to think of a bad match, and I I can't. So there's that. How about that? Probably against like Sid or something. I don't know. Oh God, yeah, they put him up against Sid. They put him up against um, uh, Mabel. Mabel, Mabel. Those are terrible. Yep. Oh, bad times. Bad times. Yeah, you can't you can't strap a rocket to a dinosaur, man. Yep. Oh, look at these heels. Look at these heels. He's dastardly. No tag. There was no tag there. Mm-hmm. Dastardly. <laughs> yeah, it took him a second. Did you see the jump? Did you see the edit? He couldn't yep. figure out how to put on the abdominal stretch. <laughs> Well, so what were we saying earlier about Diesel? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Oh. Look at these dumb Mike Kyoto, you blind bastard. Come on, ref. Look at Sean. Look at Sean's like, no, nah, I'm over here smoking a cigarette, man. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, what a shitbag, Michaels. The action zone. I kind of wish it would have played the commercials. That would be great. We've seen commercials for karate fighters and shit. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. Oh, free. Uh, what was it? Creepy Crawlers? Mm-hmm. You watching the uh, watching the commercials for Creepy Crawlers? Mighty Max. Mighty Max. Oh, there's a commercial for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh. Oh, man. That would have been sweet. 
on <laughs> Sunday morning television so they can't advertise Duckman. <laughs> oh, Duckman. Duckman was great. Remember that time Duckman called into Raw? Or no, it was it was Duckman's uh, uh, assistant cornfed cornfed pig called into called into Raw and like nobody gave half a shit. The dude yeah. the dude who was playing cornfed didn't care. the The audience couldn't hear it, so they didn't give a shit. Like that was that was a stretch. Yeah. Yep. Duckman was fun. Choke slam. Choke slam. That's a move you don't see Razor Ramon break out very often. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at kids ready. He's like, come on, Razor, come on. That's one thing about this match is we can't actually hear it right now because we're doing an alternative commentary, but, like, the fans are going absolutely fucking wild right now. Mm-hmm. You can, you can like, still kind of see, like, this is, a, this is a pretty big venue, actually, for, like, mm-hmm. a, a house show. But, like, yeah, they're going fucking shit house. Here we go. Hot tag for the kid. Oh no, the ref didn't see it. Oh kid. Oh Kyoda. no. Kyoto use Oh Shawn Michaels nails Diesel with a with the sweet chin music. And now Diesel takes a nap for the next ten minutes of this match. Can can we talk about this this era, how Shawn Michaels <laughs> accidentally kicked Diesel like fifty five times? I you'd think he would he would learn. Like every oh, match. look at the spin kick from fucking from kid. Yep. God damn, he's so good. Roundhouse. Roundhouse kick. The the funniest thing about uh, about all those kicks and how like deadly they look. Ah, oh, plancha. He's controlling his narrative. Okay. Um. The 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 funny thing about this is when Sean was getting his ass kicked by that marine in Syracuse, New York, that one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They said that uh, Waltman was like throwing spin kicks at people, like in the in the crowd, like trying to like take his back up, but like Waltman was drunk and couldn't fucking land a spin kick. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh, oh. tabletop suplex, fallaway slam is what they call it here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good shit. This is fun. Picks up kid. And tabletop suplex kid right into Shawn Michaels. I like how he just uses him as a weapon. Yes. It's just like... I just picture just like Sonic and Tails and just Sonic just grabbing Tails. Just throwing (laughs) him through. Knuckles would do it. Knuckles would do it. And that's Mm -hmm. why Razor was the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Do you notice that Diesel's still laying down? Yeah, <laughs> the best part is when Sean Sean gets over and like tries to wake him up, and you can see that he's trying not to smile. <laughs> this is the kind of shit that I'm talking about happens in like AEW tag team matches where like somebody just lays down for ten minutes. He's sleeping. <laughs> <sighs> Again, Yeet Waltman as a weapon. Yeah, this is like. Next, he's going to just use him as a toothpick. <laughs> then throw him at someone. Look at, look at Diesel trying not, to, trying not to smile. Oh, my goodness. God, why is... Kyoto's on fast Kyoda. forward. He is on fast forward tonight. Jesus. He's like, you okay, Chico? Kick in the face. <laughs> And now he uses Sean as a backpack. That was a hell of a transition into that sleeper, though. Yeah, it was. I think I think 
Kyoto's not the only one on fast forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-oh. The, the, the next time we see Nash, he's going to be Super Shredder. <laughs> he's going to show up. He's got his purple undies on. He's ready to go. <laughs> Dude, I mean, he's he makes the he makes the super kick look lethal, like sweet chin music. It knocked it knocked out Diesel mm-hmm. for twenty five minutes here. Evidently, there you go. Get in there, kid. Just punch him flat in the face. Uh? <laughs> Where am I? He's back. He's back to his basketball playing days. <laughs> Just, oh. So you know how I like to associate like wrestlers attire with like certain eras. Yeah. So I, I figured it out with Sean also like as he began to wear the hearts. Yeah. That's when I began to like him a little bit less. Really. Hmm. When it was when it was just like the patches of the zebra stuff. Okay. Like sensational oh, sherry sensational era. Sherry era. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, I, I I I dug me some Shawn Michaels back then. Leather cap. Uh, leather cap, mm-hmm. Michaels. Leather, yep. leather daddy cap. Uh, leather bondage daddy. Leather daddy cap. There it is. <laughs> that might be the episode title. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> oh man, I I like the boots. That, oh, there's his glove. There, hey, what's up, Diesel's glove? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the boots that Sean was wearing at these time. At this time, mm-hmm. they looked like uh, military boots, kind of. They were badass. Okay. I always thought, right. I always thought they were like motocross boots or something. That's probably what they were actually now that you mention it. All right, Waltman. <laughs> Where are you going? You fucking dork. All right. Boom. Okay. Big top rope leg drop. And oh, that Kyoto, that was 3. What are you doing? S- calm down. And Diesel. <laughs> he swings his leg over the top rope and straight into a kick. Oh, kind of a bad, kind of a bad ending for such a great match, but <laughs> all right. So yes, the two dudes with attitudes, two chaps with all the straps, they, uh, they retain and, uh, yeah, I, I seriously think this is one of my favorite tag team matches of all time. This is, this is an absolute joy to watch. You, you know what I didn't get about this? Great match, but again, like this was the era where Sean just didn't give up titles. Yeah, it was shortly after this where they just like got into the argument and like vacated the titles. Why not just put them on your two best friends back then? Like because, why vacate them? Because then he would have to lose. He can't I, lose. I, I mean, he he gave up his uh, icy title shortly before this. I think wasn't it? Well, yeah. Th- well, no, this is when he got because remember he got suspended. For the steroids, that's when he got stripped for right. the C title. Right. Yep. yep. And then this one, he just, I, yeah, he just did not lose titles back then. And that's where our video cuts out, uh, unfortunately, dear listener. But uh, I hope you had fun with that because uh, I definitely had fun uh, watching. <laughs> that was, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> Diesel's like, let me wake up and kick Waltman in the face real fast. Get this match over with. I got to get out of here. Oh. 
I he was going night night. He was he was out, man. Mm-hmm. He was done. All right. Bless his heart. <laughs> he, took, he took a nap for most of the match. <laughs> this motherfucker. Yeah. Oh goodness. Oh god. Okay. Yeah, well the ten minutes of actual match time that he was in there was fucking awesome. So mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what was your thoughts on that match? Like uh, your your final thoughts? And what, how many snowflakes would you give that match? I'd say three out of five. Three? You are notoriously hard to please, my friend. Three out of five is very that's solid. That, that's Cody. You gave that match a Cody? <sighs> okay. I'll be willing to go up to a 3.5 out of a five. <laughs> I was I was thinking in the, I was thinking a solid four at least possibly even a four and a half. I love that match. No, I mean it was it was a really fun match. Um, I guess I guess the only criticism I would have is just Diesel being down a little too long to where it was comical. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely silly. I mean, if they're gonna do that, maybe have him get up and then. Accidentally get super kicked again. <laughs> that would have put it over. I'd have, yeah. I'd have been like five. Five. Yeah. Done. If he, if he would have gotten super kicked a total of seven times in the match, then <laughs> five out of five. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have to – I'll probably uh, end up giving that – giving the link in that match um, in the show notes here because I want people to I want people to be able to watch that with us and just enjoy that match because it's so good mm-hmm. so much fun yeah I I think the ending kind of lets the match down a little bit a little bit but uh, yeah if, if the ending was any better I would I'd throw five snowflakes at that a hundred percent yeah I love that match that's fair I think yep. kid looked like a million bucks there I think uh, Sean Sean was really good at uh, taking most of that beating in the second half of the match. I think that um, the the match layout itself was a ton of fun. Uh, I think they, they they made each other look like a hundred hundred bucks each and every one of them like yeah. look look like a hundred dollars. That's not a thing. Each and every one of them looked like a million dollars. And um, yeah, I I think they sold two hundred percent for each other. It was yeah. just so much fun, so much fun. And and the, and my my favorite interactions of the match were were Sean uh, versus Kid, because out of all the combinations, that seemed like that was the least done. Back then. Yeah, I I can't really think of. I mean, you can think of a lot of Razor and Sean matches. You can think of a lot of Sean and Diesel matches. You can think of a lot of Razor and Diesel matches. There's not a lot of of Sean and Kid matches. Right. So, yeah, that is pretty awesome, and they had really good chemistry there. And, and and that's what was cool about that that match that they had where you know Sean hit all the uh, the multiple razors edges on Kid was because that was the first time maybe ever that like Sean was the big guy of the match and just like yeah. the powerhouse tossing him around and everything. So yeah, yeah. And I mean nobody bumps like Kid. Like you know people talk about how Dolph Lung uh, Dolph Lundgren how Dolph Ziggler bumps and things like that. Like nobody bumps like Kid. Like especially back then, like he would just fly. So, lots of fun, lots of fun. 
great combinations. Uh, you know, the, the story that they told with Razor being the one who was in trouble throughout most of the match. Chef's kiss. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yep. Any any last thoughts about that match before we move on? Oh, fun times. Good times. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, when, when we decided to do this, when we said, you know, I think it was the day that Scott passed. Uh, I sent him. I sent a message to Shane, and I said, "We'll scrap whatever, scrap whatever we were planning to do." I think I was. I was debating on whether to do because it was this month. It was nineteenth uh, anniversary of uh, Kobashi Masala, so I was thinking about doing that, or it was the tenth anniversary of uh, the first Naito Okada uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, and I was like, maybe I'll do that. And either one of those would have been great matches, would have been a lot of fun to break down, would have been a lot of fun to write essays about. But mm-hmm. the second that the second that Scott Hall passed, I texted Shane and I said, so we're just doing the Razor Ramona sode. And uh, that's what we did. And you said, you said, well, what match are we going to do? I said, I got the exact one. I know the yeah. exact match I want to do. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this was uh, I'm starting to get a little choked up about it. But, yeah, this is this was. I want to say probably my favorite Razor Ramon match. That's uh, probably my favorite match with a lot of these guys, actually. Over uh, the ladder match? I think I have more fun with this over the, than the ladder match. The ladder match is great, but I've seen it so many times. And that that match right there, I, I have fun, like genuine fun every time I watch it. The ladder match is great, and I'm I'm enraptured by it. You know, like it's a lot. Of, it's oh god, it's a good match. But like that match makes me happy, and like I kind of um, I think that that's the the thing that I'm looking for there, especially right now when I'm feeling like sad and I'm I'm like oh man, you know Scott Hall's gone. I throw on a Scott. I throw on this Scott Hall match, and I'm instantly happy again. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely up there, probably. Probably top five for me as far as Razor matches. For sure. For it's sure. up there. You know, the the two against Brett were really fun. Yeah. That first one that was the the one that he, where he, was it a SummerSlam where he challenged Brett for the title? Oh, Royal Rumble? Rumble, that's what it was. God, that was a good one. Oh, yeah. man. That was a really good one. Um, yeah. No, he, he definitely, um, he had a lot of great matches. And I... <laughs> I think that this this one like it's a it's a bullshit throwaway match on a on a nothing show and it's so much fun to watch and yeah. I really wish that we could get a high definition version on the network or the Peacock. Mm-hmm. So. And and you know uh, speaking of uh, another under under the radar match or program he had was against Goldust. Yes, that whole oh, that man. whole angle was. Ooh, that was oh man that uh, you know when you're little and you're like. I don't want my mom to walk in on me watching wrestling right now when this is happening. Mm-hmm. That was that was this point. That was, like whenever Goldust was on the screen, I was like, "Fuck!" I know my mom's gonna walk in and be like, "What the hell's going on?" And I'm gonna have to explain. <sighs> so yeah, no, yep. that was that was money. That was money. I really wish that they would have stuck around and done the Miami Street fight instead of uh, the Piper Street fight. But you know, he went mm-hmm. on to do bigger and better in WCW. Yep. So I guess final thing we'll talk about tonight is you know legacy you know we've we've discussed we've discussed legacies on other on other shows that we've done 
and this one we're talking about one person specifically. Shane, do you you're you're the biggest Razor Ramon fan I know. Is there a couple of words you could throw out about Razor Ramon's legacy? Well, I mean, you know, looking at it from just a wrestling standpoint and entertainment standpoint, kind of just leaving out the the outside of the ring stuff. You know, he that he he was the blueprint. He was the blueprint when it came to taking a character that may or may not have been an extension of of yourself and and turning it up to a certain degree that it was still believable and you know charisma. Like he 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 was a blueprint to just to all of that. Like yeah, I mean like that. It's funny because like you see pictures of Scott Hall in like AWA and he looks like Magnum TA and stuff like that. And like, that's cool. But then like the second he found it, it's just like a light switch went off. The second he found that character, that was, it was that character, no matter if he was calling being called razor Ramon or Scott Hall, he was that character for the rest of his life. Right. And all of that, that charisma, like you said, came oozing, uh, if you pardon the pun, you know, it came oozing right out of him through the TV screen and all over your rug. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and and you know, as far as being the bad guy, like for me as a kid, looking back, I think he was the first bad guy, quote unquote, that I liked. You know, like you know when he was doing his stuff, you know, helping Ric Flair and everything. Early, like I knew that he was quote unquote a bad guy, but I was like, oh man, he's he's cool. Like, yeah, the, the, look, the, the, look the, at how he threw the, that nerd in the fountain. Yeah, like the 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 heel, you know, dynamic didn't matter to me. Yeah, it, it, he kind of came into wrestling at a very integral part of our lives, like where we were, you know, we were what preteens and things like that. So yeah. 10, 11, 12 years old when he showed up and it was like, this guy is going to, you know, he's, he's evolving along with us, you know? And I think yeah. that's I think that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, uh, and, and, and another word I would think of is probably selfless. Just looking back at just interviews and, and matches, you know how it seems like you know some guys kind of go into it for themselves a little bit. It, it seemed like he, when you know when given the opportunity, he was okay with whoever he was working with making them look like a million bucks while not compromising his own. Yeah, you know, well, I, th- I think it's like we talked about in, I think it was our last episode. I said that, I said in our last episode with the when we were breaking down Eddie Guerrero versus The Rock, Eddie knew that the best way to make himself look good was to make The Rock look good. Right. Right. And I think that's what Scott Hall did. He knew that the best way for him, and like in his case, he wanted to make money. The best way for him to make money was to make everyone around him look better. Yep. So... That's what he did. Mm-hmm. And so you see a lot of um, you see a lot of selfish wrestlers and they're like they don't want to do jobs for people. <clears throat> Sean. And um, they, <laughs> they they don't want they don't want to make their opponents look better than them. And it kind of stifles them creatively and things like that. It never happened to Scott Hall. He didn't care about winning championships. He told a good story in the ring because, you know, that's what would make people more successful better stories in the ring and 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 on the mic would make everybody more money eventually mm-hmm. it's a long-term gain good for him yep 
So, yeah, I guess I guess that's a good uh, might be a good place for us to stop, eh? Yeah. So I guess um, you know from all of us here at the Smart Foundation, you know we want to say a big thank you to Scott Hall, big rest in peace to Scott Hall, big ups to Razor Ramon. I'll see you at the crossroads. We want to say, you know, our thoughts are with Scott Hall's family, his friends, all the people he knew, all the people that were touched by him, all the people that uh, were fans of his. You know, we hope you guys listened to this and had a good time kind of laughing with us and remembering the good times. And um, I guess thank you for thank you for listening. And I know that there are a bunch of podcasts right now that have done Scott Hall memorial episodes and things like that. And we're just, you know, we're we're all kind of coming together to heal as a community uh as fans and um you know thanks for joining us in our little uh healing circle our 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 um our own little personal wake for scott hall yes so where can people if they want to get in contact with you where can they find you shane uh they can find me in that same robe that one two three kid had (laughs) your mama's robe you can find me in your mama's robe Fits That's a little right. more snug than it might have on the kid. <laughs> you got like oh, cool you better. gotta you, you gotta get out and get the mail. Yeah, you know? yeah. You gotta get the mail. You can't go out there and just your boxers. Got to put the robe on. Got to put the robe on. Get the. Got to go get the paper. Pick up the newspaper. <laughs> so yeah. while they're uh, picturing that, um, they can also go <laughs> to uh, where am I at nowadays? Uh, King underscore uncanny on Instagram. On Instagram, have you have you figured out how to use fucking hashtags yet? I mean, I put some on there sometimes. Yeah. Now and again. I mean, what? You're always like posting a pic. You post a picture of like Patrick Mahomes, and there's like no hashtags or anything with it. And I'm like, gotta put the hashtags on there so people can find it, man. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I like to be uh, mysterious with mysterious. my uh, <laughs> something they just stumble upon. Yeah. A relic. A relic bygone era mm-hmm. right on king underscore uncanny for shane you can find me on instagram at el destructo 83 you can find the show on instagram at smart the smart foundation uh you can check out my other uh podcasts i've got a new japan pro wrestling podcast called okada shorts that i do with friend of the podcast rafe houston what up rafe and i do a gaming podcast where we talk about things like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer, um, tabletop role-playing games, tabletop board gaming. Uh, that one's called Throwin' Dice, Throwin' Dice podcast uh, with no G, Throwin'. Yes, check out those uh, other podcasts uh, and stuff. I lost my train of thought. It doesn't fucking matter. This is it. So yep. from all of us here at the Smart Foundation to all of you, you know, stay safe. Hug each other a little tighter tonight. Um, as for us, we're out of here. Shane, say goodnight to the bad guy. Good night, Chico.
Actually, I don't know if I can make it big. No, I probably can't. Make my monster grow! Yeah, still talking. Still talking for that ass. Good luck editing all this out. Biatch.